This is Kyle McCord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the W Debate. Welcome to the W Debate. All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand. <laughs> you jumped up and. That's Austin Nate. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins and then tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm... I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. Screen or draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Vernon, are you ready to go head to head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Uh, our apologies to Kirk Street. We ran out of time. We'll get to rescheduled soon. And to Matt Bruning and Austin A. I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 9.30 Eastern time, the time zone that's shaken and not stirred. That means it's time for the debate debate. Brought to you by CampusToCanton.com. That's Matt Bruning, that's Austin Ace, and I'm Felix Sharp on a stunningly British version of tonight's show. Who should play in 2022? Are we wrong about Sean Tucker, or how were we wrong about Sean Tucker and Nail? But we start with Petty Felix. Petty Felix, we're eight weeks into the season now, and um, my esteemed colleagues here, you know, I like to shoot from deep. That's what I like to do. I don't like to, you know, take layups and tout Bijan Robinson or C.J. Stroud, these these five-star prospects. I like to shoot from deep. I like to shoot from Steph Curry's territory. And uh, this season I did that with a couple of players. One in particular, he was the number 45 running back in the country when he came out last season. He was a freshman last year. He was the number 627 recruit in the country, the number 45 running back. This that, is of course, really petty, is... By the way. The, I haven't even gotten to this point, the point yet. That, of course, is Mayan Williams. Mayan Williams, who three weeks into the season, led in Ohio State in carries when my colleagues here just said, oh, he wasn't good. Oh, he wasn't good? Well... He outpaced the number one running back in the country in Travion Henderson and the number 11 running back in his class, Master T. Against Minnesota, 9 for 125 and 1, averaged 13.9 yards to carry. 
How many carries did uh, Master T catch? Six. This is this is petty. Six. Six. Oregon. 14 for 77. Mayan Williams isn't good. Five yards a carry. Is that a good how, game? How much? How much? Oh, oh. Let's see. Okay. Is that a good game? 14 for 77. Average 5.5 yards a carry. Your boy, Travion Henderson. 4.5 yards a carry on 12, on 12 carries. Goes out. Um, leads OSU and carries again against Akron. With nine. Through, through three weeks, leading Ohio State in carries for someone who wasn't good. I'm, I'm shooting from half court. That's a win for me. Now, I don't know what happened after that Akron it's not game. A win. It's not a win. I don't know what happened after that Akron game. But when you, when, when you tout a prospect like that and they end up out carrying Master Teague and Travion Henderson, I call that a swish, Matt Bruning. I call that a twist. This is just petty. This is just petty. No, no. We'll see. We'll see. He's going to end up transferring to another school, and he's going to be good. You'll see. You'll see. Let's go from one Williams to the other. All right? You think that's petty? (laughs) You think that's petty? Let's go from one Williams, from Mayan to Jameson. I remember after the first week of the season, first of all, I've been saying that Jamison Williams was good since, I think, November, December of last year, saying he needed more playing time. The guy who can stretch the field. Why wouldn't you want to give more playing time to someone who could score in one play? Oh, no, 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 not Austin. Not Mr. Uh, analytics Bowtie guy over there. Who, this is really petty, Felix. Really petty. Who, uh... Who called him a boom or bust wide receiver who he wouldn't start. I think even I said on Coast to Coast that you got to have Jamison Williams in your lineup. What does Austin say? Oh, well, I hope I play against you. Well, Jamison Williams, the number 15 wide receiver on the season in fantasy. Kevin Coleman in his Debbie Stockwatch article today calls him the most dangerous receiver in the country. Projects him to get second round draft capital. How you like them apples? How you like them apples, huh? This is I like This is really petty, by the way. I like to shoot. I, I just like to I like to shoot. I like to shoot from deep, Matt. I like to shoot from deep. So that's all I'm saying. I mean, I just wanted to take a second and get those things off my chest. I mean, if you'd like to respond for go, go ahead, uh Matt. Do you want to respond? Feel free. Go ahead, Austin. You know, speaking of two Williams, uh, I believe there was a third Williams, Mario Williams, that you said that we have a friendly wager on uh, on how many yards he would have this year. He's not even close. He's off the pace. We ain't getting there, Matt. Is there anything else? Speaking speaking about being petty, Isaiah Spiller, he's soft, right? He's soft. That's what Felix said. He's, He's soft. Number one running back in the 2022 class. Oh, I'll continue. The only guy, I believe, on our whole website who took Brock Vandergrift in the first round of the C2C mock draft earlier this offseason. You're right. Shoot, he shoots from deep, all right. He shoots from outside of the court. Go ahead, Austin. Go ahead. He hates chorizo. That was the most egregious thing I pulled off the, the Twitter timeline. This week. He hates chorizo. I mean, and Michael- hot sauce on popcorn. 
I know. Hot Come sauce on. on popcorn is just horrible. Come on. Michael Penix is no, going to be a that's, that's, ex- that's excellent, actually. Michael Pratt is the next Michael Penix. Don't put that on Michael Pratt. He's actually a good quarterback. I, I want to save some of the list I have here for the next time we do this segment, but uh, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right. I was right. Two wins, Jameson and Maya Williams. Let's talk about another player who we all were probably too low on, and that is Sean Tucker. Now, uh, week seven in college football was pretty long, starting with good games on Friday. Very good game between, well, depending on what you call a good game, but between Clemson and Syracuse. And Sean Tucker got pretty much that national primetime spotlight, and people are really starting to take notice. 22 carries for 157 yards against a team that still has some prestige tied to it. Um, He also had two for 20 in that game. He's definitely a riser in that 2023 class. Three-part question here, and Austin, we'll start with you. Where did you originally have Sean Tucker ranked? Where do you have him now? And wherever you had Sean uh, Sean Tucker after his freshman season, what was your justification for not having him higher after that excellent freshman season? Yeah, I had him in the 40s or 50s overall in my my campus-to-campus Canton rankings, and I don't remember off the top of my head where he was in my Debbie rankings, but I know he had a day three grade for me, and it wasn't an early day three grade. It was probably fifth or sixth round. Um, he's, he's just looked like he has more juice this year than he did last year. Like that, that's really it. I mean, he looked like a guy that would be at Syracuse for four years would, would probably put up some really nice numbers there at Syracuse. I don't think that was ever a question mark for him, uh, but he's, he's just looked sharper this year. He looked explosive. That first step has been, has been much more dangerous than it was last year. He's pulling away from defenders. I mean, he, he's showing a well-rounded skill set. He's not catching a ton of passes, but when he does, he looks really comfortable. Um, so, I mean, just all those things put together. And obviously, once you get two years, then you start bumping these guys. I mean, one year, you think, okay, I mean, maybe there's something there. But two years, now you there, there's enough there to start moving some guys up. So, yeah, I mean, I was, I was way too low on him. I think he can certainly go at day two whenever he decides to come out now. Yeah, I there's not really much to add. I think Austin kind of nailed it on there. I'm pretty sure I was even lower than he was. I probably had him in the 50s uh, coming into the season. I have him at 16 right now, which is right behind, I think, you two. Felix, I think you have him the highest. I want to say I was tied with Alfred um, having him at 16. But, I mean, he has looked better this year. I mean, I understand he had a good freshman season. What did he have here? Um, I mean, I mean, only had 113 yards on. Oh, I'm looking at the wrong thing. I'm looking at his uh his receiving stats here. So rushing, well, I mean, he had 626 yards. I don't know that I would say he was incredible last year, but I agree with Austin. Watching some of his games this year, he definitely looks faster than I thought he was going to be. He has better burst than I remember him having last year. So I mean, it was definitely a miss on most of our parts. You were. I don't know why you didn't talk about Sean Tucker if you're really that high on him. That's probably a much better hit than Mayan Williams. I don't know why you brought him up in your your petty segment there. From, going from deep, shooting from deeper with Mayan Williams. Listen, Sean Tucker was productive once he became the starter in spurts as a freshman, but he still seemed small and not necessarily explosive to me. I know they have him listed at 5'10", 210". I have a hard time believing that he's 5'10", 210". He's not 5'10". Uh, he's, he, yeah, he seems like he's 5'8", 5'7", and he's sub-200 pounds. So he seemed 
small for the position. So yes, he was productive, but I'm like, how is this guy going to translate? And now are these there are these rumors floating around that he ran a four two two somewhere in high school. That's that's just not that's not true because he got hawked down on a long run um, against against Syracuse, uh, a breakaway run. So. For a player that size, it seems that they have to be exceptional in the passing game to be productive. I don't know if he's there yet. He was always in my top 20-ish, and so I think I've moved him up somewhere in that range, not too much. But, you know, I still have questions about whether or not he translates. Whether or not he translates. And we're going to get to a point later in the show. We're going to ask another question about Sean Tucker. Let's move on to some other news. Coach O in, uh, is gone from LSU. Clay Helton gone from uh, from USC. We've got two jobs open. There are a lot of fantasy-relevant players on both of these teams. I mean, from USC, you got Jackson Dart, Michael Trigg, Gary Bryant. I'm not, I'm not even considering the guys who are going to uh, leave and go to the draft. Uh, this year, but even with LSU, you've got Max Johnson, you've got all of those wide receivers, Deion Smith, Brian Thomas, Kayshawn Boutte. Uh, Matt, how do you think that this will impact these players, the these coaching vacancies? I mean, I, I obviously it matters on what coach ends up there. There's a lot of talk that, uh, who is it that we just talked about the other day? Lane Kiffin. You know, we talked about him possibly going to LSU. If he does, I, I think that's a great landing spot for for him and all those LSU players. Who do they get at USC? I mean, James Franklin going over there. Okay, I mean, he's been he's a really good coach. I think he's done a really good job recruiting for Penn State. Off the top of my head, outside of obviously, I mean, if you got Barkley, Miles Sanders, I don't know that I would consider James Franklin like a great developer of talent, though. And maybe I could be wrong on that. I. So I don't know how much that helps those guys. I don't know that he's really a QB guy. I mean, he's stuck with Sean Clifford all this time. I mean, he's got Drew Aller coming in this year, but if he leaves, we're not going to see how he helps develop him. I think the one thing that scares me most is for USC is for Jackson Dart because I think he's good. I know Austin really likes him. If a new coach comes in there, do they stick with Dart or do they possibly go a different direction? They bring in a transfer guy because there's a chance it may not play the rest of this year with with the injury that he's dealing with in his knee they've got Devin Brown coming in who I still think is very good maybe he decommits and goes somewhere else so I, that that's my biggest fear is you you see these things kind of get shaken up with these new coaches come in if a James Franklin comes in and maybe he doesn't like Jackson Dart what does that possibly do for his stock but like Boutte I think is safe no matter what and especially if Lane Kiffin goes to LSU I think I like all those guys maybe even a little bit of a stock up for a guy like Max Johnson if, if he's able to kind of get under Lane Kiffin's tutelage and, and start to produce next season. And 2023 needs uh, some uh, more quarterbacks. And so if Lane Kiffin goes there and can develop Max Johnson, I think that'll be excellent. But ultimately, I think this is going to play a role. I think we're going to see some players transfer. And a player like Kayshawn Boutte, are you going to, going to – play for a new coach in 2023 where you you have just suffered a season-ending injury. We'll talk about that later also. Um, but I, I think that that's a sticking point there is, is for, for a, a player of that level, what's the point at rebuilding under a new coach? Austin, anything to add? 
LSU is the one that I think would things would be shaken up the most. That whole situation is just amazing. The more and more stuff we hear about that, you know, Ed Ordron is like hooking up with all these young chicks with kids and he's like letting them come into practice and freaking play with the team and just living like, his best life. Well, he could have had the long life, the, the best life a lot longer if he wasn't doing that. Um, yeah, so I mean, it, it sounds like the players didn't really like him. I, so, was, so I think the transfers out will be based on like who comes in more than the fact that he left. What are we gonna say? I some I somewhat disagree with what you just said right there, though, because apparently this has been going on for like the past couple years. Nobody was saying anything while LSU was winning. So I think if LSU kept winning, I don't think that anybody, maybe the players still didn't like him. That part I don't know for a fact, but we didn't hear anything about all these women that he's picking up at gas stations and playgrounds and everything else that he's doing until now when he's gotten fired. I know that does sound bad. Now that he's like getting let go, even though he's staying with the program for the next three years and helping out, he has to make an appearance every year at the school. Like that's a whole, this whole thing with LSU is weird, but I honestly think if they kept winning, we may not have heard about this. Oh, no, that's we possible. Have. But so I mean, I, yeah, Mac, Max Johnson, I think it's hurt the worst. I think whatever guy comes, Max Johnson's fine. He's not like some program altering quarterback. I think the running backs are all in trouble because um, none of them have really separated themselves. Boutte, I don't know if a uh, coach change will dictate whether he plays again or not. And just one of the, Devin Brown's supposed to be going to USC. He's shopping around. I, I guess he likes Clay yeah. Helton. He he's shopping around. I would actually okay. be shocked if he goes to USC. I don't. There, there's nobody left on the board that's in play that I think would be better than Jackson Dart. So unless you bring in a transfer, and again, Kyle McCord or or, um, or you know, one of the if one of the Ohio State guys leaves or something like that, I don't know if there's a better transfer on the market. So I I, I don't think it impacts a lot of these guys that much, especially at USC. Spencer Rattler. Yeah, okay. Rattler's Spencer Rattler go to to you. No, I I don't think that he'd be better than Dart. I just that could really like throw a throw a wrench in things for 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 Dart. Yeah, I don't know if James well, Franklin would get along with him either, though. That's the thing with Rattler. You have to consider like his disposition as a person. Uh, yeah. when <laughs> well, one player who is not going to be transferring is the uh, quarterback who unseated Spencer Rattler, and that's Caleb Williams. He has been sensational through two starts, absolutely sensational. He continues to open things up uh, for his wide receivers, for the running game, um, and continues to be an accurate passer that we just didn't see him being, given that he was a 55% completion percentage passer uh, in high school um, and somewhat erratic and just used that athleticism. But he's been excellent. He's been excellent. And the question that all podcasts, all Debbie podcasts have been asking this week is if he continues to play like this, does he become this, the the Debbie quarterback one next season? Yes. Yes. Because if you think like if you think about the other guys that would be in contention for that spot, assuming Matt Corral, Sam Howell, um, and um, I'm Malik Willis, if people like him for whatever reason, I'll go to the NFL this year. The other guys that he'd be competing with are, are Bryce Young, who's only started three more games than he has. It's not like we have that much more of a, uh, you know, a, a sample size to work with. DJU has been just god-awful this year. I, I don't think he's in contention anymore. And, and then you got the Jackson Darts, whatever freshman you like, Quinn Ewers, who hasn't played a snap. I mean, th- there's... 
there's nobody out there that's an established guy that would be at the top of the draft. So yeah, shoot for the stars. I would take uh, Caleb Williams. I would take him over any any quarterback at this point in a Debbie draft. Screw it. Shoot for the stars. Go for the upset. Yeah, I think the only player in contention is Bryce Young. And at this point, you take the rushing upside with Caleb Williams, right? The one thing that scares me, and I haven't had a chance to go back and watch this, so I'm not saying this is what's happening. But we saw this kind of same thing when Jalen Hurts came over. He was not a great passer, didn't have a great completion percentage, comes over to Oklahoma, and all of a sudden looks like he can throw the ball. Now, I will say I've seen a lot better throws from Caleb Williams in two games than I did out of Jalen Hurts. And it was specifically the one to Marvin Mims down the sideline because he was not wide open. That was a perfect throw. But we've seen the way Lincoln Riley can design his offenses at times and get players wide open. I just want to see if Caleb Williams regresses at all next year because I don't think it's happening this year. I don't think defenses are going to be able to figure him out in time. But, yes, he's got to be the easy 1-1. I think you're overthinking it if you don't take him at the the one for a quarterback. Or sorry, not 1-1 overall, but the number one quarterback. Question is going to be is where does Anthony Richardson play in this conversation with uh, Bryce Young and and Caleb Williams? Because at some point, if Anthony Richardson becomes the starter and plays like he has uh, earlier in this season, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Is he going to unseat Lincoln Riley's guy? How many interceptions he have this year? But that's but but it's going to be it's going to be a question because he can. He can do it with his do it with his legs too. All right. Um, okay. Let's transition here to housekeeping. Austin, listen, we're gonna give you the floor. Uh, the floor is is yours for you know whatever you needed to do, whatever housekeeping uninterrupted your time, Austin. Here, go ahead. Okay, so the case against Mayan Williams goes as follows. Let me get on my whiteboard here. Um, no, um, <laughs> housekeeping. Um, three things here for you guys. Saturdays, Saturdays, if you're not joining in with the Campus to Canton crew, we've got you covered all day. First thing in the morning to tailgate, 10 a.m. to noon. Uh, we get you set to start your day. All of your CFF, start sits, prize picks, DFS, betting, all of it. Injury updates, we do it all for those two hours for you guys. Then as the day wraps up at night, we go live with Coast to Coast, and we kind of give an instant reaction to everything that happened during the day. Um, so go check those things out. Uh, if you have not done so already, uh, you can find all of those here on the campus Canton YouTube channel. Um, and on Twitter, all of the other social media places, you guys follow us prize picks guys. If you haven't played prize picks yet, player props, everybody that listens to the show knows player props, even if they don't know that they know player props. So go sign up for prize picks. Promo code C2C gets you an initial deposit ma- match of up to $100. And if you deposit at least 20 bucks, you get a free year membership here at Campus to Canton with us. Wait, what? Are you? Wait, hey, what happened? We're doing. I, wait, wait. So you're telling me you can put $100 on surprise picks. And not only do you get match back, so you're getting $100 back. You also get a free subscription to our amazing website, Campus to Canton. Twenty dollars of value, right there. Thirty dollars. That membership's going to win you more money on Prize Picks too. So I mean, you're damn right it is, Austin. Why are we talking more about this? Come on, get excited. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah, where's your energy, Austin? Sorry, you guys flipped that on me. I've been sick all week, man. I'm trying. I'm trying. What what if you flip something on you? There's no. There's no script here. And last, yes, the website subscription, guys. If you haven't checked it out yet. 
all sorts of tools, articles, uh, access to our Discord, uh, and all sorts of other things beyond that. $2.99 gets you a month. $29.99 gets you a year. So go check all those things out. I believe that's housekeeping. All right. Let's. What's next? Um, Mailbag. <laughs> These questions came from our Discord, and if you subscribe to that aforementioned website, you can join the Discord and submit questions to Debbie Debate that we will answer to the best of our ability. Um, mostly Austin. Mostly Austin is going to answer these questions. The first one is, 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 does Matt Corral deserve to win the Heisman even if Old Miss does not make the playoff? Now, the Athletic currently has Matt Corral uh, leading in their Heisman straw poll with Bijan, or excuse me, actually Kenneth Walker, number two, B, uh, Bryce Young, number three, and Jordan Davis, uh, number four. And just to round out the top five, Bijan Robinson um, is the fifth leading point getter. <sighs> Matt, I'm throwing this to you first. Does this quarterback, who's really talented, has been really productive, should he get the Heisman Trophy if Old Miss ends up playing in some New Year's Day Bowl that isn't one of the playoff games? Yes. Why shouldn't he? I mean, what does the playoffs have to do with the Heisman? Lamar Jackson with Louisville didn't make it to the playoffs, if I'm remembering correctly, and he won a Heisman. Granted, he had like a phenomenal, phenomenal college season in Corral. It's not quite putting up those kinds of stats. But it's not connected to that. Johnny Manziel didn't when he won it. Pretty sure Robert Griffin with Baylor didn't. Now Cam Newton did. Mark Ingram did. The Sam Bradford. I'm pretty sure that they didn't go to the. Uh, they didn't have the playoffs back then. Pretty sure he didn't go into. Uh, did they play in the national championship game in 2008? I don't think they did. Uh, I don't remember. I know Tim Tebow question. did. I mean, but if it really mattered, why, why, why did they let Troy Smith keep his when they went into the national championship? And got blown out by Florida. It, it doesn't matter. It's who's having. That's a good question. The trust me, it is. It was embarrassing. I, I don't think it should matter at all. It, it seems to be the one thing I hate about it. I'm glad that Devonta Smith won it last year when you guys gave me crap about me saying he was going to win it. Was it seems to become a, a quarterback award. I'd love to see a guy like Kenneth Walker win it with the season he's having or a defensive player, but Matt Corral is probably having the best season of a quarterback. If Ole Miss only goes on to lose the one game, I don't see why he shouldn't. I mean, he's been amazing this year. He's still, you know, as Austin said, making some interesting throws, but stats-wise and what he's doing with Ole Miss, he's he's carrying that team. I do think his chances of winning it may get hurt if he does not play this weekend, which it seems is a realistic shot that he won't. I think it'll help him, though, if Ole Miss goes out there and loses badly because it'll show how much they really rely on Matt Corral. But, yes, I don't think if they make the if they miss the playoffs, it should affect his Heisman voting one bit. The Heisman is an absolute joke nowadays. He should not win the Heisman if they don't end up in the playoffs because the Heisman is supposed to go to the best player on the best team. or that, That's kind of how we think about it. That's going to be Jordan Davis for uh georgia and symbolically it should go to somebody on that georgia defense because they're the best unit in the country and they're probably the reason why georgia is favored to win the cha national championship now back whenever mark ingram won the heisman that was an absolute that was a travesty he stole the heisman from indomitian sue who had a who was the best player in college football this year 
And the Heisman folks, the Heisman voters, they owe a defensive player the Heisman. It should absolutely go to Jordan Davis, not uh, Kenneth Walker. Bryce Young, I would be fine if they end up winning the national championship. But I want to see a defensive player. How many years have an offensive player's won the Heisman. It's just absolutely ridiculous. It's not every season that an offensive player, some quarterback or running back is the best player in the country. And Dominican Sue should have won it. Luke Keekley should have won it. I just, I have a problem with the way that, um, the, the way that award is, or who is, who it's awarded to. And so I want to see a defensive player this season. And there is a defensive player deserving of it. Give it to Jordan Davis. And I'll forgive you for not giving it to Indomitian Sue back when he was ragdolling uh, Colt McCoy at Texas. George Just- Davis's current season isn't anywhere close to what Indomitian Sue did. So I don't. If you didn't give it to Indomitian Sue, I don't know how you can even put Jordan Davis in the same breath. Indomitian Sue's last year at Nebraska, he in 14 games had 52 solo tackles, 85 total, 20 and a half of them for a loss, and 12 sacks. Plus, he had an interception. This year in six games, so approximately half, Jordan Davis has 18 tackles, three for loss, one and a half sacks. He's a much more traditional nose tackle uh, than Dominic Sue, who was much more of a wrecking ball there. I don't like the Jordan Davis talk is just for hipsters that want to think they sound cool because they have a defensive guy like in their top whatever. He doesn't deserve it at all, and if he does then this is the worst Heisman field since what 1940 when like some guy with like 80 rush yards would win. I mean, it's, it would be a joke <laughs> if Jordan Davis won. And I think he's an exceptional player, but he's, he's no Heisman. Yeah. yeah I, say, I didn't mean to laugh at that until like you read off his stats compared to him. Dominic They're not like, even cool. Yeah, it's like, bad. Uh, just, you to, me just, a hipster? To, just a, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I guess so. Uh, to uh, just to answer your question, Felix, you got to go back 24 years to your guy Charles Woodson. That was the last technically defensive player to win the Heisman. It's who I've met, by the way, of quarterbacks and running backs. Charles Woodson, the goat, the goat used to dominate David Boston. Get all in David Boston's head. That was that pre-steroid David Boston. That was priest. He was probably taking him there at Ohio State too. You know how they do. All right. Um. We, I forgot. Uh, I've missed a segment here, Austin. Are we ready for that, or do I need to filibuster and you're and good? Do something. Else? You, you don't want to finish the you, mailbag? There's yeah, I mean, no, we should no probably finish the segment we're on. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot. I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> Let's go straight to the Discord because uh, I have not pulled those uh questions from the Discord here. This is from Luke Probasco. Luke is always watching. Um, let's uh, which position do the other. This we've talked about this before. Which you guys do rankings, but which position do the others think you scout well? Example, we have to compliment each other here, which is going to be hard. I quit. Um, so, no, uh, Matt, why don't you why don't you start? Uh, I think that I've already said this before. We talked about this. We just did our 2022 freshman running backs. I think Austin does a very good job scouting running backs. I know he he says that he, I think. If I'm remembering correctly, Austin says that he likes or he does a better job scouting wide receivers, but I, I want to compliment him on his job doing running backs as well. I think he does a very good job scouting running backs. Felix, I mean, I, I like to say that you're good at scouting wide receivers, but God, some of the wide receivers you tout are just god-awful, so it's kind of hard to say that. But I will say, I, I think you're pretty good at, at all of them too, outside of quarterback. I mean, golly, Zach Wilson. 
So I think you're pretty good at it. the number at, two pick in the NFL draft, Zach Wilson, that uh, guy? I mean, who, who? if, if a, a decent franchise drafted him, maybe I'd believe in him. But well, man, we'll just get past that for now. So I, I think you guys, I mean, I take you guys' advice on um, most players that you t- tell. When I'm in my drafts and, you know, if Matt Bruning is uh, highlighting Calvin Austin, that's somebody I'm going to pay attention to in drafts. Um, I don't know that there's a particular position that I would put in, in front of uh, either in front of another. Um, we, you know, when you guys talk about a player, we make fun of each other on here, but we definitely have a lot of respect for each other. All right, Austin, please finish this. Oh, I thought you guys got, were going to forget about here. Oh, this man. No, no, no. Uh, I, this got awful question. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think – Nobody scouts quarterback well. Like I'm not taking like us. Like nobody on the planet scouts quarterback well. Like in air quotes. So, um, but I, I think we all do a good job. I, I, a pretty even job on everything. Like, I think Matt's been really good with receivers lately. Like and then, but before I was always like, well, Matt's like nailing these running backs. Like Khalil Herbert, he really liked. So like, I I don't really know what to choose. And Felix, obviously, you're just the best at finding guys that no one's talking about yet for better or for worse. I think that's, that's your, your, your best, that's, uh, that's definitely your best thing. Stick. Yeah. So, all right. That, that was way too touchy feely on that question. No, Mayan Williams is not a hit. There we go. Oh. We're back on track. All right. <laughs> um, all right. This is, this is from, uh, we're going to take another one from Luke and Matt, this is for you and Austin because you guys have already dug into 2022 um, the freshman class of 2022. Who is your number one incoming freshman at each position? Um, if you can d- give a quarterback, running back, and wide receiver that you are really clamoring yes. for, because it, you know when the when the spring comes, we're going to be doing freshman drafts, and never a bad time to get uh, an early start on looking at those names. Yeah, I think this is fairly easy for two positions. It's Drew Aller at quarterback. And Jadon Blue at running back. Uh, I mean, I can listen to the argument on Branson Robinson, but for me, it's Jaden Blue. I don't think there's anybody. It, it would be Quinn and Drew, but Quinn is obviously now gone. Wide receiver for me, it's been it's been DJ Allen. He's a guy that I really like. I don't know who Austin has at wide receiver, so I'm actually intrigued to hear what he has to say. But I like DJ Allen a lot. I will give Austin the props on he's comped him. He said that he sees a lot of Antonio Brown in him, and I agree with him on that assessment. I think the only thing that scares me about DJ Allen is going to TCU because that just uh, that that scares me with them developing him. But I really like him as a as a player. Yeah, all are in blue. Um, blue. Oh man, how do I put this? Um, so of the top running back in the past three classes, I would I would put them Bijan Blue and Travion Henderson in that order as 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 they exited high school. Um, blue more than the other two though is the most natural runner I've ever seen come out of high school. He just has that feel for where blockers, you know, where, where to set up blockers, second and third level, when to cut, what move to make. He's got very soft hands. I mean, he's he's just a natural player. Same for Drew Aller. He just, the, the arm talent is just bizarrely, bizarrely good. Um, receiver, I I don't have like a receiver that I love, love in this class. I think it's actually a fairly weak class at wide receiver. Give me Talon Shetron maybe as a guy who's going to Oklahoma State. He's just, he's like 6'3". He's big fast um and kind of the prototypical 
Oklahoma State wide receiver. So I think it's a nice fit with skill set. Um, so I, I really like him there. And I he might play as a freshman and be really good for them. Uh, DJ Allen is number two for me, though. So. All right, this one from Kev07. And I'm pretty sure Kev07 is uh, is listening to us from overseas. Um, he's uh, listed some of the 2022 running backs. So Brees Hall, Isaiah Spiller, Kyron Williams, Jerome Ford, Sincere McCormick, Zamir White, Kenneth Walker. Um, I'll let you take any one or two of these guys that you guys want. But uh, the question is, is what is the best landing spot for these guys and why? Ooh. One of those times that I wish you'd throw that in the show sheet so I have a second Ky- to think about that. Kyron would be also. great in Tampa. Kyron Williams would be great in Tampa with Tom Brady. Tom Brady would freaking love Kyron Williams. We'd get all sorts of buddy-buddy videos with him and Kyron because Kyron can pass protect and he can catch passes very, very well. Um, so that that's a big one. I actually think Jerome Ford would be really good in Seattle. Hmm. He kind of seems like they're kind of running back and they don't like they have Carson and then it's Rashad Penny who can't stay healthy. I mean, you have Al- uh, Collins who's, I mean, no offense to Alex Collins. He's kind of a, a jag. Um, so, I mean, I think he'd be good there. Is it time to find a um, successor to Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones? Um, mm-hmm. Any of these guys who are, Not you know, 25, 26? I think Green Bay feels like they have their successor. Yeah, and Dylan, I, I agree. Or Hill. I mean, I, th- I think they like both those guys. Well, yeah, I think, th- but they they always use those guys in tandem. Yeah. I mean, go back to Jamal Williams and Austin Jones, or Austin Jones and Aaron Jones. Um, I would really like to see Isaiah Spiller in Miami. I think he could be a good fit there. Now, granted, who knows what happens with the quarterback with all the rumors on the trade here with with Tua and Deshaun Watson, but Miami needs a running back in the worst way, and I think Isaiah Spiller, with the way he can create behind the line of scrimmage a little bit, would be a good fit there because that offensive line isn't great. I was trying to think of somewhere for Brees Hall. I mean, I think one of these guys is likely going to land in Houston because all of their running backs, I think, are the average age of like 30 outside of uh, uh, Phillip Lindsay. But I don't know that uh, – I, I would hate to see Brees Hall go there because I love Brees Hall so much. But, I mean, there's not a lot of teams that need running backs. Atlanta's one that needs one. Seattle, as you mentioned, if they grab one. But San Francisco said the Rams right now, once Akers comes back, if he's healthy, he said Arizona needs one. I mean, there's not a lot of teams. Maybe Las Vegas because I don't think Josh Jacobs is – I've never really been a big fan, and I think he's, for whatever reason, due to all the injuries he's suffered in his legs, maybe already on the downslide here. So there's not a lot of teams I think need a lot of running backs. It's probably a good thing because this class is not great overall. I, I was just thinking that. I mean, I'm looking at – I would not be surprised if we went through two rounds of the NFL draft and only one of these names was called. And you saw you know, maybe one or two called – uh, in the third round, and then a lot of these guys end up becoming day three guys. I mean, I don't even know if Brees Hall is a day one. I, I know I don't think that he's a day one guy. Um, no, I don't think anybody gets good. Probably, day. I think I think Hall and Spiller get drafted in the second round because I of Hall's production. Think, I still think Kyron Williams could potentially be the most fantasy relevant out of all of these players because of what Austin identified. I mean, he, he's going to – and if he goes to a team with a good offensive line, then he could be absolutely fine as a rusher. But we know he adds that he has a wide receiver background and he can actually take linebackers' heads off uh, in the pass-blocking game. Uh, you Did Matt said something about that a couple weeks ago, I think? 
Yeah. You you and you and uh, you and Felix got in a little bit of a war of words about that. Did I? We got into a war. That? You 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 called him a uh, a faller, and I said I don't. Yeah. I, no, I, he... I said I don't see why. No, I did. I said that I, I because I thought it was, it was the Russian I thought it was the opposite. No, no, Felix well, was on oh. the opposite side of things. My I bad. said that I think because of his because of how bad he's looked rushing the ball this year that he may fall. I didn't say he was going to be like a fourth or fifth round pick. I just Mom and Dad were fighting, it. and I just went into my happy place. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> no, right. but see, that's um, the thing. Just real quick on Kyron, if he goes to Tampa Bay, I don't know that he's going to be successful with the other eight running backs they have on their roster. I mean, he's better than Keyshawn Vaughn, but Leonard Fournette ain't going anywhere yet. Rojo's gone. But I, I don't know that he goes in there. Do they cut Giovanni Bernard? Because I think he's still on a two-year contract. So, I mean, it's it's if he goes there, maybe he's the guy. I, just, I don't believe in Tampa Bay's offensive line, but I agree with you that he'd be the perfect fit for Brady. Where where would you want where would you want Kenneth Walker to go, guys? Who is like the riser in this class? Las Vegas. I think he's a, a he can be just like what Josh Jacobs is, except maybe a little bit of a better runner, in my opinion. We done outside that of one? that. I mean, what's up? We, anything else with that one? I'm no, sorry, ahead. sorry. I know you want to keep right. you want to move on to the other million Discord questions. Sorry, apologize. No, that that's actually it. I just wanted to keep it moving in general. So, um, are we ready for? We've only got one Debbie debate, and we've got one segment to get to before we get to our Debbie debate. So are we ready for that one segment? All right. Sure. Go ahead. All right. It's my favorite segment of the show. Now it is Austin Mace's lukewarm take. Take it away, Austin. So we all know that Clemson uh, has struggled this year. I think to, to put it that way is probably underselling a little bit. Uh, a lot of close wins here and, uh, you know, a couple of bad losses as well. They come into Pittsburgh this weekend to take on a ranked pit team that is a two and a half point favorite. Um, guys, Pitt's going to beat Clemson. Pitt's going to the ranked pit team is going to beat unranked Clemson at home this week, and and they're going to cover that two and a half point spread, folks. That is the lukewarm take of the week. Unranked Clemson loses to a ranked team. Boom. I, I still feel like that's a little bit spicy. You know what I mean? I don't. Like I, think, I, I think you're just stating a fact, so maybe that is a lukewarm take. I don't <laughs> I don't think I don't think Clemson has any shots. So I have to, I you, 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 you placed yeah. I mean you've given us a wet fish in our lap and it's just like I don't yeah. I don't even know what to like I was you're really watching. expecting you to just like come out here and be like, guys, Bryce Young, he's good. He's going to pass for like 200 yards this week and probably three <laughs> touchdowns and continue to be a top five Heisman favorite. And then just kind of, you're welcome. Like, that's what I thought I, you were I like, with. I like the sub segment of this segment is us telling Austin how to improve his lukewarm yeah. take. Like, <laughs> I, so. I try. I try. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Lukewarm take is over. And, you know, uh, Matt and I don't have any bold takes, but we'll have some next week, or we won't. Then we'll just. We'll just I have a bold move. take. I give you one really quick. Do you want to hear no, it? I don't think you should. No, I, I no, do. I don't think. I do. CJ Stroud struggles against Indiana. There you go. Bold take done. It's gonna happen. All of your takes revolve around Kyle McCord, don't they? It's like. 
I mean, hey, look at look at all the draft talk Caleb Ellaby's getting. Kyle McCord's better. See, you've got him going to Western Michigan. I'm all for it, baby. Let's go. All right. All right, boys. Are we ready for the Debbie debates? Let's, Let's do, it. do it. It's just one Debbie debate. And we're really focusing on this t- highly touted 2023 class. And we've talked about some of the top players in this class potentially not playing in 2020. Two. So I want to know, I've got a list of what, seven names here. I want to know, should these players play in 2022 or opt out? Let's start with the one right at the top. I, I feel like this is easy. Kayshawn Boutte, Austin. Should he play in 2022 or should he opt out? This is like the quickest turnaround I've ever had on an opinion where two weeks ago <laughs> on this show, I said that he definitely should. And now, no, like so much has changed there. Uh, no, no, he shouldn't. And there's nobody even close to him in that class. So. Yeah, I agree. Uh, he's secured first. He's secured top five draft capital. No, sit out. Welcome to the bandwagon, boys. It's only what I've been saying for a long time. Another I don't think I'm staying favorite. long, but thanks for the welcome. Well, let's see with all of these names. Michael Mayer, the dynamic tight end out of Notre Dame. He is easily, easily the tight end one for that 2023 class. He's probably the tight end one for all of Debbie right now. I think he absolutely is. Uh, number two, uh, I think a distant two, a tear break, and number two would be Brock Bowers. Should Matthew Michael Mayer play in 2022? Yes, he should. I don't think he's secured first or I mean, he's probably secured second round draft capital with as good as he's been. He's secured first round draft capital. Michael Mayer. You, you guys don't think Michael Mayer is a first round draft pick yet? No. Assuming that he plays. Yeah, I think he is. I think yeah. if he sat out, I think he he might barely squeak in at the end of the round. Kind of like, and I'm not comping them as players, but like Heath Miller was like the 31st overall pick or something when he came out of Virginia. Like that, that would be the range. I don't think he would go where, some people think he could as like a top 10, 15 guy. Well, you know what? We're going to have to ask this question again at the end of the season. Michael Mayer had been banged up a little bit, um, but I think he is back this week and they take on USC. So um, that's going to be a big time game in a kind of a, a slate that doesn't have as many, uh, you know, may, big, big games. Um, so we're going to be paying attention to that one. Um, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I th- it depends on how he plays, and that's going to be – I'm going to have to reserve my answer. B. John Robinson, he busted out at the end of his freshman season and is having a dynamic uh, sophomore season. Austin, should B. John Robinson play in 2022? No, because they don't have anybody else there really to rotate with him. Now, they, they do have Jadon Blue coming in this year, who you know, I, I think is capable, uh, uh, more than capable of doing that as a true freshman, but – Sark just keeps giving him touches. And if we're going to talk, I mean, it, Gary Patterson, after that TCU Texas game, someone asked him, why aren't you running Zach Evans more? And he said, well, like smart. He was like, oh, we don't want to be giving him so many touches, like saying like Sark's running Bijan into the ground over across the the, the other sideline there. Um, so yeah, I, I think Bijan should sit out unless Sark promises him, you know, we're only going to give you max 15 touches a game. I mean, for that reasoning, I could see him sitting out. I just worry what that would do for his draft capital. I know he's like a phenomenal running back, and he's probably still going to be the top running back drafted in 2023. Probably. 
But if he sits out an entire year, I could see some NFL teams looking at that sideways. We've already – like, he's the guy that I think could get a first-round draft. Like, he could secure first-round draft capital if he plays next year. I don't think he does if he sits out. I don't. I think he falls to the second round. I think we're past that. I mean, we've had Micah Parsons. We've had Jamar Chase, and they sat out, and they were, I mean, both it's top picks. And what's What's different about it? I mean, it's a high-contact, high-injury – potential position he should absolutely you said it he's secured being the number one back in the class there's no reason for him to risk injury especially since um running backs don't get first round draft capital anyway i don't see him falling out of the second round he's not going to be a day three pick or yeah a, a third round pick if he sits out 2022 whatever his draft capital is going to be i don't think it's going to improve if he plays next year. So he should absolutely, absolutely sit out and, and not risk injury. For what it's worth. Oh, go ahead, Matt. I was just gonna say the difference is COVID. That's the yeah, difference that's that it's not, you, you cannot look at what happened last year into this. He, he's sitting out for completely different reason. I'm not saying that the argument is not sound for him wanting to sit out. If that's the reasoning, but I do think NFL teams are going to look at that differently than a guy who sat out because of COVID. There is a difference. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, there's, I think the way Jamar Chase has played is a um, reason that teams would not fade a player who decides to opt, opt out before they become draft eligible. I don't it's think we fun. I don't think we know yet and I think that's the part of it because I think the players had the covid that is so stupid it's like the covid crutch yeah, yeah where they could say I opted out because of covid and now you're now you have to admit that the only reason you opted out is because you're looking ahead and trying to preserve yourself as much as possible and that is less of a that's more of a me, me, me thing. I'm not saying that's necessarily, yeah. but like we have not tested these two hypotheses against each other yet. Yeah, we have not had the chance to test these two right. hypotheses against each other yet. I want to jump to a name here, Sean Tucker. And the reason why he's leading the country in rushing right now, I don't think Sean, Sean Tucker is not a first round draft pick. He's probably not a second round running back. How much could he improve his draft stock by playing next season and having a similar season to what he had this year. Probably not much. That's just my opinion. And so I would say, listen, I'm always going to side with these players sitting out once they've secured draft capital. And I I would put Sean Tucker in the third, fourth round range, somewhere in there, and I don't see him improving on that. So sit out, don't risk injury and declare for the 2023 NFL draft. Austin Nace, what say you? First, I'll say that I'm not even sure he's a three-year guy. Sean Tucker might be a four-year guy. I know they say that, you know, the NFL finds talent wherever, and Syracuse isn't like, you know, Backwood State University that's in D3 or anything, but they're not traditionally pumping out a ton of high-end offensive talent, uh, at least not in the past few years. Look, here's actually a scenario. Let's say that... Bijan opts out next year. Zach Evans opts out. You know, a couple of these guys opts out. If he plays, he would have the chance to possibly be the best 2023 eligible back actually playing in games. So I think there might be a, some sort of cat and mouse game there 
where if you're a Sean Tucker, you kind of hold off and wait to see what everybody else does. And then you can kind of make a decision based on that. See, I, I kind of agree with Austin there because he's not jumping Bijan. He's not jumping Evans. He's not jumping Gibbs. Could he jump Tank, especially with as bad as Tank's playing right now? I don't, I don't know so, that but... you can't say that he wouldn't. I, I I get what you're saying, Felix, and I, I don't disagree with if he opted out. It probably doesn't. Like, he can't, maybe he can't improve his draft capital. I still think until we see it, opting out can hurt your draft capital and a guy like him i think it can hurt because it comes off as presumptuous i think a exactly bit. and i mean <laughs> we look at a guy like kenneth gainwell who produced massively in college and we heard people saying not getting to see that last year of him in college hurt his draft stock he's produced probably better than sean tucker has they're very similar players though what was Ken- kenneth gainwell taking what in the four they're similar players fifth in the round they're side yeah the fifth, fifth round, round in the way I would expect them to be used at the NFL level. And so that's kind of what I'm saying is, is that, so I guess if Kenneth Gainwell played, would he have improved his draft stock? That's, but that's what, that's what NFL two? people were saying yeah. at the time. I don't know about two, but maybe three, but that's a big difference, especially in the money. So like there's certain guys like Bijan. I, I get the argument for He probably doesn't hurt his stock that much, but I do think a guy like Sean Tucker, who like Austin said, if he goes out there with a bunch of guys opt out, He's the guy we're talking about all season, going out there producing, looking good. Maybe he does jump up into that round three instead of being a round five or six guy because he doesn't play. And so everybody's like, oh, well, we know what he did his freshman and sophomore year, but then he opted out. We don't know if he would have improved at all because just like Isaiah, I'm not, he doesn't make the jump that Isaiah Spiller has, but what we talked about earlier in the episode, what we saw in freshman season and sophomore season, he looked better. What if he takes another jump next season and looks even better as a junior? I want to. Uh, one player, there's one player on this list that I absolutely think must play, and that's the aforementioned Zach Evans. Because of Zach Evans' high school track record, his shaky recruiting, uh, going uh, committing to, shoot, I forgot who he committed to uh, before he went to, to TCU, I think that Isn't he has to Bama? Whoever it was, I think that he has to show that he is a team player um, and so I just don't see – and well, one, that he's a team player, and two, putting together really good uh, good, good seasons back-to-back. And so I don't see him opting out. If he's getting good advice from an agent or someone else, I don't see him opting out before declaring to the NFL draft. I would assume that we're going to be in, all in agreement for the same kind of reasons. My, my presumption ac- accurate? Yes. Probably probably what's the hesitation austin on zach evans yeah i think and i i always like which we talk about this on on the c2c pod a decent amount about kind of making a distinction between like a real knucklehead and someone that's just been immature in the past and it seems like zach evans is more immature and less knucklehead you know eric gilbert seems like a knucklehead to me zach evans seems immature um, and it's kind of one of those you know it when you see it type deals I don't think NFL teams are even considering that really at this point. Like, I, I think he's, it's just over. It's behind him. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Let's do these really quick. Um, Bryce Young, I, I think that he's going to, he's going to be competing for the playoffs. He, he sticks around. And as a quarterback, quite frankly, we want to, we want to see those players get uh, more reps and they're being protected. So Bryce Young plays. 
Um, everyone's in agreement there. Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's having a really good season for Ohio State, because he didn't do it as a freshman, he still needs to do it for another season to kind of secure draft. I don't know what he's going to be. I don't think we've seen a ceiling yet. For Bijan Robinson, for Michael Mayer, for Kayshawn Boutte, we've seen these players' ceilings, and quite frankly, I don't think that they can improve their draft stock. Jackson Smith and Jigba absolutely can, and so I would say I would say that he needs to play at least another season before he declares. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes. He's going to be the one next year. Yes, absolutely. Yep. All right. Every everyone's in agreement there. Anything else, boys? Before we close it out, should Julian Fleming opt out? <laughs> <laughs> I thought he already did <laughs> that's going to be it for us tonight of course you need to check out all the content around the campus to Canton family apologies to Kirk Street. you ran out of time we'll get him rescheduled soon for Matt Bruning and Austin Nace I'm Felix Sharp good night and good luck Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State national champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama. And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years. Their 17th overall. And for Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks at the end zone. Hunter and Bob caught it. Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro. And Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill, just in front of his end zone, has a man out there. It is Ranger, and he's off to the races. Nobody will catch him. For the freshman. He made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry. He'll add to that. Goodbye. Touchdown, Ohio State. From 52 yards.